Hello, listeners. Beyond the Mask, in conjunction with NBC RNA, is pleased to announce that listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how to submit them, go to our website. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. Sharon? Back together again. I know. I like love being Tonto in and the Long Ranger. <laughs> you have got to be the horse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll leave that one alone. Yeah, you better. <laughs> but it is nice to be in the studio. I know. It is. Because we don't have to worry about my unstable internet. Exactly. Or Peanut. Or Peanut. Peanut always, always wants to make an appearance. Yep. She does. She's a ham. Or, or we see your bed in the background. Yes. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But now that we've had our Beyond the Mask virtual backgrounds made, don't have to see that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I think we have another wonderful guest with us today. Well, she's very special to me. I think so. <laughs> Tracy Castleman, welcome. Hi there. And what do you guys call yourselves when you all get together? The... Fab four. Four. Yeah. Fab four. So you guys, you know, drink a little wine and talk a lot. Just a little. Talk a lot. <laughs> talk a lot. I can't imagine. I know. We pro- we solve the problems of the world. Yes, we do. <clears throat> and so. Sharon, I think they just brought you along because you talk so much slower. Actually, I, well, that's true, does. but I talk the least of anybody <laughs> in that group. I, you know, I actually can see that. Yes. Yeah. Between Jackie Rolls. Carol Deutscher from Minnesota, Mm -hmm. Tracy from New Jersey, and then myself from North Carolina. So, you know, I can't keep up with how fast they talk. (laughs) They all talk much more than I do. Jeremy, are you really buying that? She talks just (laughs) as much. (laughs) Because I'm usually the first one to sleep, and she's still talking away. Well, that would be true. Well, you just say it a whole lot faster and get it out, and she just drags. Yes, she does. (laughs) Tracy is my roommate whenever the four of us go, because our time clocks are very similar. Uh, Gotcha. And so Tracy will just 
lay back in the bed and she <laughs> says, I'm listening with my eyes closed. And then I'll hear her start deeply breathing. And I'm that's like, don't well, you be saying anything bad about me. That's it. Well, we all have a code. And oh. none of us are allowed to snore in public. And so Tracy's held up my airway on more than one airplane. <laughs> and vice versa. Yes. That is funny. Yeah, it's nothing for Sarah to wake me up in the middle of the night and like be pushing yes. my chin up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. what? The first time she did, I'm like, "What the heck are you doing?" That's it. <laughs> You're lucky she's not putting a nasal trumpet in your nose. <laughs> I don't even know what a nasal trumpet is, yeah, but, but it doesn't you can sound hit good. That thing. It doesn't sound good. <laughs> Actually, it sounds better when it's in. Then you don't snore. Uh, Isn't that the truth? Yeah, maybe I need one. Yeah. I don't know. We'll fix you right. But up. I don't need a meningeal. Oh my God, that's a whole other story. That's a whole other story. Why don't you go Tracy, we'll tell you about that later. Tracy, tell our listeners a little bit about you for folks that might not know who you are. Well, I am a nurse anesthetist, clearly. I've been practicing anesthesia now for about 30 years. I live currently in New Jersey. I was up in New York State. I am a New Yorker who lives in New Jersey. Oh, and I learned Um, that the hard way. I know, but you just said I was from New Jersey. I know. Um, (laughs) I should have known better. Usually she kicks me or hits me or something. Actually, I have been in the beautiful state of New Jersey for 20 years, and I do enjoy living here. I teach students mostly in the clinical environment. I've worked with nursing anesthesia students pretty much since I graduated from the Albany Medical College program last century. And oh my God, don't say that. I did too. Oh, that's funny. I have two adult sons who are fabulous. And I'm currently the president of the New Jersey Um, State Association of Nurse Anesthetists Charitable Arm. And we've been kind of busy through this COVID process. So that's a real neat thing we're doing in New Jersey is we have a charitable arm that reaches out to vulnerable communities. And I think that about covers it. I work full time in an anesthesia care team practice. It is anesthesia care team, but it's a medium sized hospital. And uh, we've been busy this year between COVID and everything else. Yeah. And New Jersey's had it, you know, pretty rough Mm -hmm. new york new jersey that area so yeah and i'm in i'm in the area that currently had surged again um hopefully our numbers will start going back down again it was impressive back in march and april i will say in 30 years of giving anesthesia if you add in when i was a nurse i remember being in college my second year in college is when this new disease was identified called aids Mm. and i thought that was going to be my career defining moment, more or less, that was going to be the pandemic of my career. And lo and behold, all these years later, we show up with COVID. Um, Very similar in that initial panic phase. Yeah. But it was very interesting here in New Jersey. I'm very impressed with my colleagues and the people I worked alongside of. Um, It truly was an all hands on deck, very respectful, appreciative, collaborative effort, I would say, at least in my hospital and around my area. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads us into our topic today. So we're going to be talking about ANA mentoring. And why don't you tell us a little bit why you think this is so important, Tracy? Well, mentoring became very near and dear to my heart without even realizing it. When I look back in graduate school, one of my classmates had a birthday the second week of school. And I was the one who brought in the birthday cake and got everybody to sing to her. My friend Brenda Tolkstorff, who works down in Georgia now. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I had then started by the end of my first year of graduate school, a mentorship program within my class where we took the new juniors coming in under our wing and kind of showed them around, told them how to stay out of trouble, who to work with. So on a personal level, I think mentoring has been part of my blood for a long time. What happened was with the ANA back in about 1999, we were approached by President Linda Williams to find out why the membership numbers were dropping. When I say we, I was part of the public relations committee. It was my first year on the committee. Uh, Scott McLaughlin was the chairman of that committee. And as we were sitting around the table, myself and Beth Ann Clayton were the two young women at the table amongst a group of seasoned providers. And they asked us, why were we here? We were young mothers. And why were we involved at the national level at this point so early on in our career? And both of us said, because we participated on a committee as a student. I was on the Council on Accreditation with the wonderful Nancy Brute Marie as my chairwoman. She was my first mentor. And Beth Ann was the student rep to the Continuing Education Committee or the Education Committee. And so we said, we just simply, somebody opened a door for us and we were welcomed in and we decided to stay. And from there was the genesis of the mentoring program. And Scott said, well, how can we do that for more students? The ANA won't let us put them on committees right away. This was 20 years ago. Why don't we offer students that opportunity to work with a seasoned provider? And from there, we started the process of the mentoring committee. And it's the one that you started that is in Washington, D.C., right? The first one was in 1999, and we did it at the annual meeting. Okay. The next year, we did not do it in 2000 because it was the big IFNA meeting in uh, Chicago. It was the millennial that. meeting. Um, and they decided there was too much going on to add that to the process. And then in 2001, it's been going annually ever since. It was uh, started at the annual meeting. And we decided maybe nine years in, too eight much years going in. on at the meeting. I'm sorry? Too much going on at the annual meeting. Is that why you moved it to mid-year? Yes, there was too much going on. And we felt that the students attending the DC meeting, the mid-year assembly, were students who were perhaps more focused on leadership and whether at the state association level, the national association level, locally. And we thought that would be a better group to capture and there was more time to be focused on them and more opportunity to introduce them to other leaders in the association, see how the association worked. As you know, Sharon, that's where the candidates present themselves. You have an opportunity to meet with the candidates running for the board of directors. And so we thought that would be a better forum to spend time with students who wanted to perhaps learn more about leadership within the association. So what's been the growth of the program? How many students did you take whenever you first started it back in uh, at the turn of the century? <laughs> we started at the turn of the century. Gosh, that sounded so um, long ago, and it really wasn't. <laughs> the numbers have always been limited to the volunteers the CRNA volunteers willing to participate because the program is only as good as the mentors who are willing to share their knowledge and their time with the students. So we started at about 25, grew to about 30, 35. Around that time, the AANA Public Relations Committee became vested 
in the mentoring program with financial support and additional staff support. I think at times we've gotten up to 50, but I'm sure it's not been over that. And again, part of the success of the mentoring program has been that personalized meeting time where you can spend one-on-one time with the students where they really feel like they feel like they've had the opportunity to ask their questions to a variety of people. They feel special. They have that opportunity to bond with the mentor, with the other students in the room. And when the group becomes too large, that becomes more dilute. They don't have that opportunity for as much intensive one-on-one time. And Tracy, I know that the zero to five year out group has been one that the ANA has been focusing on because it seems like more of them are not becoming members or dropping their membership from ANA. And I'm assuming that this is one of the reasons mentorship is a really good thing and we need to be doing it and it's so important. But what are some other reasons that it's important? So, you know, our students really have already exhibited leadership. They are nurses who are ICU nurses at the top of the game who took a step back and said, I'm willing to go and be vulnerable again as a learner so that I can take that next step up and manage the head of the bed and manage an operating room if needed and and manage the total patient. So I think we have to really recognize that they're all, for the most part, inherent leaders who are still in that vulnerable time. And And I mean vulnerable in a positive way where they're willing to take a risk, their minds are open to uh, learning new material, to absorbing it. They're open still to modeling and they're not afraid necessarily to fail. So to me, keeping them on as members of the ANA is very important. And, And the reasons why they don't stay in that zero to five years, we could probably spend a half an hour discussing. There's a lot of reasons. Number one is debt. And number two, I think, is lack of reimbursement now from their their practice. So putting that aside, I think when you take them in that moment, that time frame where they're still willing to learn and they're willing to model a behavior, and you put them side by side with somebody who is motivated to share their experiences with them and allow them to have a safe place to ask questions and to um, bounce off ideas, I believe we create a better, more professional workforce that way because we've welcomed them in and we've created an environment where their vulnerability is a positive and they're willing to step into more roles. Does that make sense? Actually, Absolutely. it's, it, it's yeah. a good point. You know, I had always seen it kind of as an enculturation, you know, bringing yeah. them into the fold mm-hmm. in, in that way. And you've always been involved with this. So tell me, what are the key attributes of a good mentor, would you say? So I think a good mentor needs to be very emotionally competent. They have to have good EI. They have to not mm-hmm. be afraid to again, be generous in sharing of their knowledge and not be judgmental. Mm -hmm. Allow the students to ask any and all questions without thinking, oh my God, I have another dumb one. Because none of their questions are bad, (laughs) right? (laughs) That is Yes, true. They need to be active listeners, not just a good listener, but an active listener to really get to the heart of what the student is asking. A good mentor needs to be willing to be present in the conversation and present in the day with the student from when it's a long day. I will tell you, it is a long mm-hmm. day. We and Sharon's done it. I've done it. You know, you start early in the morning. Now, at least it's not as early as it used to be. You oh, start Lord. the evening before at a nice wine and cheese reception. Mm-hmm. 
but you need to be on call, so to speak. And you need to be willing to open doors for the student, introduce them to just about everybody, show them the ropes, share your email or contact information with them and continue that relationship with the student afterwards. Reach out to them every now and then and maybe be that resource, be that reference. And again, go back to actively listening. What is it that this student really is hoping to get from this? And, you know, Jeremy, going back, millennials, you know, really, if you look at studies about millennials, about 91% of millennials have said that they want a mentor, that that is a positive for them. And that is a reason for them to stick with a job, Mm -hmm. uh, stick with an association, is mentorship. They value it more than us baby boomers did. You know, we went, you put your nose to the grindstone and you just did it, whether anybody liked you or not. Our millennials will quickly leave positions or leave the association if they don't feel like they've been supported. And this is a great way of supporting them in in the door, through the door. So what makes a good mentee while we're talking about it? So I think, again, actively participating. They have to be willing to ask questions, to gain knowledge, to bring some questions to the table with them, and be open to a very busy day of meeting a lot of people, Mm -hmm. not be intimidated and or embrace being intimidated. Tell their mentor that, that this is a little overwhelming for me Mm -hmm. and to have some goals, just some simple goals to their day, to what they hope to get out of it. But present, both being very present in the opportunity and appreciating what it is. You know, Sharon said this a lot of times with this group, especially the millennials. I mean, they're fearless. You know, they really know no fear. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine that walking into a room of peers who have been doing this for a long time would be somewhat intimidating. I mean, you know, CRNAs, even though you are laid back type B personalities, mm-hmm. nobody mm-hmm. wants to take charge. And, you know, but I can imagine that's pretty intimidating. So what if a student did want to be a mentee or get involved in this, what words of wisdom or or maybe walk them through this process? That's a great question. So the process that the AANA does is right now it's Karen Sepkis at the AANA. She will send out an email to the schools, letting them know that they're opening up the mentoring um, program to the top 50, 25, whatever their number is, students who apply. And really, all they simply have to do is uh, have their program director submit their name as interest. I'm not certain if all program directors pass that information on to their students. So I would say it's a hard year. We don't know if we're going to have a mid-year assembly again this year. Let's hope that we will. If I was a student and I was listening, I would, one, go out onto the ANA website to the PR committee and see if there's anything about the mentoring program. If there is not, I would email the ANA through the PR committee and say that you are a student who is interested in this information. And I would go and speak to my program director and say, I would very much like to be part of this opportunity. Um, This is important to me. I don't know all the program directors. I don't know if that would be enough, if they would need to come with a couple of good arguments as to why. And that's the easiest way to get into the program. Now, go over again what happens during the day of the mentoring actually on site in Washington, D.C. For any students that might be Mm -hmm. listening to this, what would they expect? So I'm not sure which day. I believe Monday is the Meet the Candidates Day, Sharon. Do you remember or do you? uh, Oh, I blocked that all out. (laughs) I think it's. 
No, I think you're right. I think it is Monday. So usually on Sunday, they have a meet and greet hour or two run again by the PR committee where all students who are in the mentoring program will meet up with their seasoned CRNA mentor. (laughs) Uh, The PR committee puts them together, puts the combination together, and and they try and match whether it's region or state or interest. And they'll meet the board. They'll have the opportunity to spend that evening, you know, an hour and a half or so with their mentor and the board of directors. They'll come in and meet them. And from there, they'll set their time for Monday morning where they're going to meet for the day. It's pretty much a free-form day for their mentoring day. They will meet with them early in the morning. Professional dress is always appreciated and um, expected. Often, I would meet with my student for breakfast. I would purchase the breakfast for my student, usually with a couple of friends of my my Fab Four friends, usually would be there with their students. And then we would go in to listen to the candidate's speech, go into the candidate's coffee, walk around. I would introduce them around see if they had any questions. I would start asking the candidates questions first to kind of break the ice for them and see how it's done. Lunch with your mentor and the mentor pays for lunch. And then back in listening, whether it's listening to lectures or occasionally we've sat down outside instead of listening to a lecture and the students had all sorts of questions and we've spent one-on-one time. I know more than once I have introduced my student to somebody in a state they had hoped to work in Mm -hmm. or a practice that they were considering. So I would help make those connections for them. So it would make it a little bit easier when it came time for graduation. At the end of the day, there's usually a wrap up session. I know when I ran it, I would bring in guest speakers who would sit and talk to them from anything about from billing, setting up your own practice. I had the assistant chief of staff to Tommy Thompson from HHS one year come in and talk to them about how health policy is created. And then we take a group picture. They decide whether they want to do some more with their mentor or not. But at that point, everybody's usually pretty tired and they go home. But at the end of the day, they have met 50 other students from around the country. They have their own additional cohort of colleagues and connections. And the same with the CRNAs. They leave knowing 100 more people um, and having that connections and emails and, and a very personal connection, which I think really makes a difference as they as they leave and with um, a broader perspective of what's going on across the country versus what's just happening in their little program. Yeah. And they also see how bright these students are. You know, that's one thing I see over and over from seasoned CRNAs who don't deal with students mm-hmm. every day uh, is that they, they do comment, wow, these kids or these folks are so much smarter than I was yes. at that point. You know, I mean, I, exactly. I hear that over and over. So it is good for the mentors on that side. You're absolutely right. I think the mentors get an awful lot from the process as well as the students. I think also for the students, they leave with an appreciation maybe of their program. And they realize that all programs are hard, that they're not the only ones going through certain things. You know, it's easy um, to get very myopic when you're in that program and you're under all that stress. Yeah. So I I think they go home with an appreciation, a better appreciation of the whole process. Well, you know, it's like anything. You're giving back and you're getting mm-hmm. in return. You typically get more to give back. And that's what mentors are getting from this process, mm-hmm. I would assume. Sharon, mm-hmm. I know you were going to. So if you want to be a mentor, all you have to do is let 
somebody on the PR committee, Karen Suckus, know a lot of times they reach out to you. The last couple of years, I've not been able to be a mentor because Jeremy and I were podcast taping Mm -hmm. the entire time, but I've done this for for years and it's exactly like jeremy said you get back more than you give and what is really neat is seeing these kids i guess (laughs) that you've mentored and then you find out they're president of their state or i mean both Tracy and I have a lot of stories. Actually, Tracy may not remember this, but Jeremy's now wife was my mentee when no. I, in 2010, whenever I first got on the board. So, she, uh-huh. yes, in yep. April of she 2010, she was the student rep and yep. she was my mentee because I took her up on the stage with me when I gave my speech. Did she say y'all? I didn't let her say anything. I just let her wave. <laughs> I couldn't you let talk her about t- intimidating. That is what some people have done is they bring their student up with them and have their student introduce the next speaker or, That's funny. Um, which is always, I would think terrifying. It's terrifying for me now to get up there and speak sometimes, but um, yes. Uh, but they say that's, and that's good. I've right? had students come up to me, like Sharon said, and I don't know if you remember me. I want to thank you so much. And this is what I've done. And, and I've seen them back at the mid-year assembly. And to me, that's worth it. That is so worth a day's effort. You know, I always love the phrase, we're only here because we're standing on the shoulders of the giants who came before us. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important for us then to provide those shoulders for the next giants. Yeah. Um, you know, we have to be that same piece of the process. Yeah. Yeah, I think Sandy says that. Yes. I think. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this could be mirrored at the state level. Do you guys do it in New Jersey? Uh, we have started doing it. We have two or three student reps now on our board, and that's how we mentor them. But I think it's very easy to do on the state level if the board of directors are willing to do it, especially in big states. Mm-hmm. You know, the small states, everybody generally knows each other, and it's a little bit less Um, there's a little bit less of a need because there's that one-on-one connection already. But I would imagine in a state like North Carolina or a state like Pennsylvania, California, it would be very easy to just sit in the back of the room and never touch, have a leader touch you or open a door for you. And and I mean that. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, And have somebody open a door for you. And where if they would, that board of directors would offer that same opportunity. We do in New Jersey, we also have a student reception. We have mm-hmm. time just for the students. We only have one. We have two programs in New Jersey and where the board of directors are there. We get a sponsor. We provide food, a couple of beverages, and we give them an hour and a half, two hours just with the board of directors. So that's the that's other way we cool. mentor yeah, our students. Cool. Like we that. have done the mentoring program many years ago. I don't think we've done it at the state level in North Carolina in quite a while, but I mean, yeah. it's easily replicated. At the state level. Well, I was just thinking, as you said, that, that nobody's opening doors for anybody right now because of COVID. So, oh, you know, there was amen a... Amen to that. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a mental image that came up when you said that. So, amazing how the world has changed in a matter of, what, seven months uh, Overnight. Now, so. It oh, was yeah. overnight. But, but, you know, Jeremy, for me, back in when I was a student and I was put on the council on accreditation, it was very intimidating. I had my assistant program director, Denny Sheridan was on there, Nancy Burt Maria. I had, it was the who's who of leadership Mm -hmm. that I really didn't know. And I was all 25 years old and 
you know, I sat around this table and Sharon's heard me tell the story all the time. Nancy turned around at one point and looked at me and said, well, Tracy, what's your opinion? You're here to, to add to it as the student. So speak. And that was my introduction. But uh, I love Nancy to death. And she really made me feel very comfortable. And, and I remember at the end of that year going home and thinking, well, why wouldn't I want to still be there? Like it was, she made it very natural. They made it very welcoming. Um, yeah. And it was a positive. I wanted to come back. You know, that's, that's that's even one of the things I've noticed on the being on the A&A Foundation board now is we have a student representative. And it's amazing to me how they fit into the flow. It, everybody mm-hmm. kind of directs stuff towards this person. And this year it was an amazing young man. And But, yeah, I mean, it just seems to be encompassing for the student to be made part of everything. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's probably the way it is with this as well. So. I can't imagine having that opportunity as a student. Yeah. How cool. No, I think it's very cool. Now, you talked about something earlier whenever you are president of your charitable arm in New Jersey. And I'm not too sure any other state has a charitable arm. Why don't you give us a little synopsis about that and Maybe some other states can learn from you guys. So this was the brainchild of of Nick Blank. And we put together, and Jana, New Jersey Association of Nurse Anesthetist Cares. And it's charitable and, oh, I should know all of this. Since you're the president. Yeah, I'm the president. Not that you've been So it always floors me. Basically, it is that we are supporting populations with health vulnerability, Mm -hmm. health being it can be food health, housing health, mental health, clearly getting to basic health, any area like that. And the whole idea was to we have many members who would like to do a little bit more, but are not necessarily interested in lobbying and the politics. And when we first started putting this together, and we asked our membership at one of the meetings, would anybody like to participate? about 25 people raised their hands. Wow. This was something they could wrap their brains around was mm-hmm. providing charitable effort or organizing efforts. And so it was a busy process. You have to go through a lot of paperwork. You have to file to be uh, recognized as a charity. 501c3 um, probably. Yeah. 501c3. Yeah. Yep. Or, yeah. Yep. And our whole goal has been trying, is it's one fundraising. And, and I'm learning about all of that, how to run a charity. And it sort of dovetailed, unfortunately, with the pandemic, because I, we've joined now, New Jersey has a nonprofit association, a whole membership, like a um, Better Business Bureau, but it's for non- nonprofits. I need to learn how to write charitable grants and things like that. Right. But our first major effort, besides doing it within our, our group to get a little seed money, was we had signs made for the pandemic that was we support the front line and we had pictures of different frontline workers and we sold lawn signs and we raised about $5,000 just by selling our lawn signs. And we made donations around the state to restaurants that were feeding hospitals that were feeding nursing homes. Uh, We had several restaurants who many restaurants who were providing hot meals for children in vulnerable populations who were not getting their school lunch any longer we went to three different food banks and we went in and not only spent the day stocking shelves or helping to separate things, we brought checks of donations and we're setting up 
a continuous manpower effort in several of the food banks in New Jersey. We had North Jersey, Central Jersey, and South Jersey. We went to all of them. And we just, we're selling now face masks. Let's say APN, CRNAs, because nurse anesthetists in New Jersey are advanced practice nurses in anesthesia. And with that money, again, going into that effort. But our goal is to raise a lot of money, which is why I'm going to learn how to write for charitable grants <laughs> and really try to, to partner up with several other programs that are supporting communities in need of healthcare resources. The other advantage is you get to sit at different tables mm-hmm. with different influencers around the state, and you're able to have a different conversation about what nurse anesthetists do. So there is a clearly yeah, right that piece involved as well. Absolutely. Education is the key. Yes, yes absolutely. It is. Well, what Tracy has not said is she just graduated with her DMP from Rush. Yay! Congratulations. And, uh, we had Thank ta- you. We had talked about going there together, and instead I decided to go somewhere else. But um, Or you might be done by now. Oh, shut up. <laughs> uh, yeah, really. But... But I didn't get the summers off like she did. Um, well, I didn't get summers off. That's a misnomer. At Yale, you get summers off, but you have 29 books to read and crap like that. Excuse me, I shouldn't say that. But one thing that we did do, speaking of grants, one of our projects that we had to do was they brought in a lady who chairs a philanthropic organization Hmm. and we had to make a pitch oh wow to get Hmm. money and so we could be in a twenty-five thousand or a two hundred fifty thousand dollar group and then we were assigned well i was initially in the twenty-five thousand dollar group and by the time i got through the lady asked me she said how much money do you need and i said well (laughs) two hundred fifty (laughs) thousand She said, like a shark need, tank, right? she said, you need you need to do this. You really need to do this. I was just on that day for some reason. <laughs> but it was a nice Because there was a competitive edge. If there's any kind of competitive need, she's on. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it was it was pretty cool to do that. It was a nice little exercise. Yeah. Um, I learned a lot from it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and I stayed in contact with her because I said, tell me what else I would need to change, what would I need to do, Mm -hmm. because you never know. I might have a project going forward that I need to. That's right. You might. That's right. Maybe. (laughs) Or two. (laughs) Or Yes, too fun. So, Tracy, as we kind of wrap this up, you know, I was going to ask you what your favorite word is. (laughs) (laughs) It's love. Yeah, there we go. Hope. I love it. Hope. Hope floats. Faith, hope, and love. That's it. That's all it. All right. Well, Tracy, we want to thank you for being on the show today, and thank you for all this good information. And as we kind of close here, anything you'd like to conclude on? You know, I think we all need to recognize, like I said, that our students, if we're going to stay with mentoring, our students are really our future. And when we measure leadership and the success of our efforts at mentoring, We need to remember that it's not just that they'll be state president or that they're going to be on the ANA board of directors. To me, um, success is that they participate voting, they read their Mm -hmm. journal, and that they lead with integrity and dignity and kindness within their own group of CRNAs where they work. To me, that is the best part of leadership that you can do. You can help other nurses support the people around you. So I think 
all of that comes from mentoring and mentoring within your state and mentoring each other. I don't think there's anybody out there, whether you're a millennial or not, who doesn't appreciate somebody opening a door and showing you if it's your first day at work where the ladies room is and where the coffee pot is. So I think we all, you know, we, we should be doing it every day. We should be doing it with our medical students. We should be doing it with our fellow nurses in the room. And by doing that, again, you spread the good word of the value of a nurse anesthetist, what we do and who we are and why we're better and why we're special. Yeah. I think that was very well said. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I expect nothing less. Me either. Miss DNP from Rush. <laughs> that would be doctor. <laughs> That'd be doctor to you. <laughs> There's that New Yorker. Uh, there she is. <laughs> and she shook that head as she went along. There, so. <laughs> hey, listen, I've it. instilled some Southern in her. Have you? Can you say y'all? Oh, she I can say y'all. Oh, she yes, can mimic me, but I can't. I can say umbrella. Yes, she. <laughs> but it can't be the other way around. And sometimes instead of going. New York or New Jersey on someone, she'll go use the Southern and she'll just look around at me and smile. She says, see there, I can do it too. <laughs> Bless your little heart. And then Bless she saw heart. me, she saw me one night uh, many, many years ago and I forgot my roots and she just stood and looked at me and she said, <laughs> I know you're laughing. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, she just looked at me and goes, what happened to you? There was not a drop of Southern in you right then. <laughs> the first I apologized to the person she, she went she off did. on. I said, she is not usually like this. You need to forgive my friend. She did. Your daddy came out and you. That's what it was. Oh, my Lord. It come raging out. I was just so shocked. I didn't even recognize myself. <laughs> Wow. Mm. I hope I don't see that side of you anytime soon. No, no, no. You don't want to. (laughs) No, but it was interesting. It was good. I'll bet. Uh, uh. (laughs) All right, Sharon. Well, I think that's a wrap. I think so. If you like our show, want to know more, check out our other episodes. And remember, the best way to help our show grow, because we're in the top 50 medical podcasts in the country, and we want to be in the top 10 on our way to number one. So please help us by spreading the word to other CRNAs out there. And if you so desire, leave us a good, positive little bit of feedback. We don't want any negativity. There's enough of that in this world, isn't it, Sharon? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a wrap. I think so. Till next time. Today's show was made possible by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. And thanks for your support of Beyond the Mask. 
Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.